Our guest today is actress Tracy Melchior, who has had one of the most successful soap opera careers with roles on Aaron Spelling's Sunset Beach, One Life to Live, and the global phenomenon, The Bold and the Beautiful. But several years ago, Tracy was forced to focus solely on her health when she was faced with a debilitating condition with mysterious symptoms. Now she shares her experience to help others avoid what she went through. And in her autobiography, Breaking the Perfect Ten, she opens up about her flawed pursuit of fame and fortune and the redemption she has achieved through Christ. Let's welcome back one of the most successful actresses in daytime television, Tracy Melchior. Welcome back. So good to be here, Ward. I missed you. <laughs> I, I miss you too because I'm so excited because we're going to be talking not only your journey a bit, but ladies and gentlemen, Tracy's going to uh, really open up what it's like to read labels, not just on your food, but what about your household products? And we're even going to touch base a little bit on the meat industry about things that you need to know. But Tracy, you know, uh, most believe that as an actress, uh, you must be healthy. So uh, since you have to focus so much on appearance, I mean, when did you discover that looks can actually be deceiving? You know, it was probably long before I, the warning light came off, on, came on on my car long before I acknowledged <laughs> that I maybe need a mechanic, let's say. Um, but yeah, you're like, I look healthy. I mean, I'm in shape, I'm lean, all these things. So I'm like, what could be wrong? But every once in a while, I would just get this like kind of wave of like brain fog and like weakness. And and my girlfriend, honestly, my girlfriend Heather would carry a protein bar with her because she always thought it was my blood pressure dropping that I wasn't eating enough. And so that was always like what we thought it was. Um, but little did I know I was becoming malnourished. And so the protein par protein bar was helpful, but it wasn't really, um, what I needed. So it was a little bit of a patch, you know, um, but eventually you can't ignore your health for long. You really got to listen to those warning signs. Well, you know, we all know that especially with Hollywood actresses, there is an eating problem and it's a silent mm -hmm. epidemic within Hollywood that. A lot of people don't really focus on, but uh, for us who are close to that industry, we know that it actually exists. I mean, did you fall into that category? No, I was always like, honestly, I was modeling swimwear and lingerie and one of my friends threatened, never did, but threatened to get me a t-shirt that said body by Taco Bell. I mean, I, well, I was very active. So, um, you know, I was riding horses. I was, I'm big into country dancing. I would go out dancing like three, four nights a week for like hours and just nonstop. And so I was burning the calories. So I looked fine, but I wasn't getting good nutrition. So we didn't need to talk about all the time. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, when did you, when did you, you know, when the signs started showing up, I mean, how long did you ignore them until you finally uh, sought help? Oh my gosh. You know what? Honestly, when I was pregnant with my first son, who's 22, I passed out. I was actually at the baby classes um, at the hospital. And I looked at my husband. I'm like, I don't feel so good. I think I need to go to the bathroom. I go, but I don't feel like I can make it. And so he walked with me and I was right. I never made it to the bathroom. I woke up in a hospital bed. So I think even 22 years ago, 
I started having signs of there was a major depletion in my body and I was muscling through life. And I think a lot of people do that. You know, we just muscle through We're like, but I got to do it. Just, you know, get there and get going and you'll be fine. And, you know, those sort of things. And that, that's what I was doing. So what, how many doctors did you go through until you found out what was really wrong? Um, gosh. So I, when I first broke down on the freeway to keep my car reference going <laughs> was, um, I think, uh, about nine years ago. So it took, you know, so it was like 10 years of ignoring these little signs and symptoms. And then, um, when I finally broke down on the freeway, I went to four emergency room visits. I thought I was having heart attacks. My heart would just race and I'd just be laying there in bed, relaxed. I was watching the bachelorette or something, <laughs> you know, I was like, the most thing I'm stressed about is I want her to pick this guy or the other. This isn't enough to be this stressed out. And my tongue would swell up. Um, I would, when I slept, I would wake up feeling like I had been drowning and would wake up gasping for air all of a sudden. It was just very bizarre things were going on, major neuropathy in my arms and legs. So I went to, I took myself to the ER, I think four or five times. And every time they would check me out and they're like, you're fine. I mean, maybe, are you stressed? I mean, could it be hormones? Could it be, you know, the typical things that they do? Um, little things were low. Um, I did have a ferritin level of seven, which is extremely low. So that was one thing they found. Um, my B vitamins were a little low, things like that. So I was sort of trying to address those things. Um, they sent me to an endocrinologist because my thyroid and I found out I had Hashimoto and hypothyroid. So I went through an endocrinologist, but they keep like there were still symptoms that they couldn't explain because they were treating those. And, you know, I did things like that 24 hour or, you, you know, urine thing where you, they collect it for 24 whole hours and every kind of test. Um, and then I went to a cardiologist about the heart. They even monitored me overnight at the hospital once. Um, and of course, nothing happens just like when you take your car in, right? It stops making the sound. Um, and then cardiologists, endocrinologists, neurologists for the neuropathy. Um, and then I just had this epiphany. I had done a commercial for um, Zeomin, which is like a, a Botox filler thing. <laughs> and one of the doctor who did that was also a functional medicine doctor, ironically. And I went and talked to her and I started going this more natural route, like investigating, like, and I took her this huge pad of all of these labs. It's been like six, eight months of no one being able to explain what was going on with me, but I felt like I was dying on a cellular level. And, um, I told my husband, I said, just on my gravestone, can you just put, I told you I was sick. <laughs> wow. I mean, when, when did you end up finding the missing piece? So with seeing her, she said it was, um, it was pretty phenomenal. She looked through all my paperwork, right? All my labs. I brought her all my records from the last, you know, year. And she looks at me, she looks at my husband. She goes, I think I know what it is. I'm going to give you your wife back, but I need about six months. And so she diagnosed, diagnosed me with the gene mutation, the MTHFR. That was her guess. And then she did the blood work and confirmed it. You know, it's amazing. You're, you're not the only person that I've ever talked to that has that gene. 
And when, when somebody's finally diagnosed with a gene, and there's a lot of people out there that actually have it, they, they continue to be misdiagnosed for years and years and never find that one element to kind of turn them around. Um, kind of explain that condition a bit and what you have to do to turn things around. And at the same time, it turned you into a label reader, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it really kind of changed the catalyst of, of my life for sure. When, you know, um, they say you either make time for your wellness or you'll time and money, you either spend time and money on your wellness or you'll be forced to spend it on your illness. And so that was me. Um, but the, the mutation is just, there's something in our genes that affects the methylation process. So when we eat food, our body methylates it into the nutrition and sends it out where it needs to go. The MTHFR gene has a, a, a difficulty doing that methylation process. Now you can either have a single mutation or a double mutation. Lucky me, I don't do anything half. <laughs> I got the double. Um, so if you have a half, I think it's approximately like a 30% deficiency. But if you have a double, you're at about 70%. So even when I was eating healthy, which like I already admitted, wasn't all the time, um, we're not getting the nutrition. So I'm like eating a spinach salad and getting the nutrition of a, you know, a cheeseburger, maybe, you know, that kind of thing. So um, that's the main thing. The other part of our methylation process is not just absorbing nutrition, but methylation process also is about um, getting rid of toxins in our body. So those two um, things are the major focuses. <laughs> and those two things can, um, as I learned, cause quite a bit of havoc on your health. And you have to have very specific nutrients uh, going into your body because of this, right? Yeah. So one of the big things is, um, you have to go gluten free and a lot of people are like, you know, it, it makes me crazy. So I'll go somewhere and I'll be like, Oh, I'll take the gluten free crust. And they're like, is it an allergy or a preference? And I'm just like, well, neither. Well, if <laughs> you offered it on your menu, why question the customer? I know. And I think that there's, you know, they don't want to know how lax they can be in the preparation process or whatever, you know, like, do I need to change my gloves? And so in their defense, I understand why they're asking for me. It's not like, oh, cross-contamination and, and that sort of thing. But when you have MTHFR, which maybe they should add that, is it celiac, is it MTHFR or uh, intolerance? But it's not an allergy to it. But most foods that are gluten foods are fortified with vitamins and minerals, which when I said we have a hard time and we need more nutrition, you would think that would be good. But unfortunately, what these companies do when they fortify with these, they use a synthetic form of B9, which is our folic acid or folate, they use folic acid. That people with MTHFR cannot process that and it turns toxic in our bodies so we don't absorb it. So we need methylfolate. And so that's the big thing, the big difference with, with MTHFR. So is it, and I understand that there's also uh, other nutrients in the, in the methyl group. And, uh, and I guess it just comes down to uh, reading the labels, but with this type of condition, it kind of led you in reading labels of not just food products, but also household uh, cleaning products as well, correct? 
Yeah, because, you know, genes are very, you know, it's kind of like you crack them open and then there's just so many variables in there, right? So they have the basic two gene mutations, but then you've got your ALs and your SNPs and, you know, all these variances. So all of us have a unique, you know, genetic still, even if you have both those, we can all be very different. Mine was, my biggest ones were the nutrition absorption. That was big. My son, because I got both my kids tested since it's genetic, I was like, oh, I need to have both my boys checked. And they both had the double mutation as well. So my son, when we went and, you know, you can get your raw data. And then I took it to a, a functional medicine doctor who's phenomenal. And he was able to read it and kind of tell us, okay, this is what his main thing is. This is yours. And his was very specific to toxicities. Now, my 13-year-old boy was playing ice hockey at a very high level, doing very well, but he would like tap to come off the ice before anyone. If you know anything about ice hockey, the shifts are very slow, very short already. And he would be tapping to come off and we're like, what the heck? You're usually like lobbying for ice time in hockey. And so we thought something was really wrong with him. And I took him to the regular doctor and he's like, oh, he's a teenager, they're lazy, you know? And I'm like, well, he's playing with like kids that are all the same birth year. And we would go on tournaments and in between games, the other kids are, you know, playing, you know, knee hockey in the, sorry for the other residents of the hotel, but they're like in the hallway, they're goofing off. And he's like, I'm going to go take a nap. And I go, I just did my own clinical study. It's not his age. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I took him to this functional medicine doctor and um, he was actually heavy metal toxic at 13 years old. And he said he easily could have been one of those kids that all of a sudden just the organs start shutting down. Wow. So where, where did you find out he was getting the heavy uh, metal toxicity from? I'm not really a hundred percent sure. Some of it could be the vaccines um, because there's also, I think people should, when you're deciding about vaccinating, get your kids tested for MTHFR because they have noticed a link and it's not well publicized. And I'm, you know, I hope I don't get in trouble for no, saying this. But I, a lot of the data is not well publicized and a lot of people don't truly know what's in, in the vaccines that uh, children are given uh, when they're born. Of course, I've told many, you know, I've told my audience on, on this show that you, if you're going to go the route of vaccines in your kids, you need to wait two years before they even get one because their immune systems are not fully functional and they're not strong until they reach two years of age as long as they've been eating properly for the first two years of life. And, you know, for those that uh, choose not to, hey, I have no problem with that. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you've got, you know, some immunity from your mom and, you know, the first one they're giving them is hepatitis B, which is transmitted through sexual. Um, it's a sexually transmitted or dirty. Well, needle. it's actually a vaccine that has no business being given to a child. The only in their defense, the only time it should be is if a mother has it. So if a mother has hep B and she's passing a baby through her birth canal, Okay, I can see where that might make sense. But now to just go ahead and give it to every kid in case the mom does, uh, that was a little um, overkill in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, it, it, it really is overkill. And once you, once, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you really study 
that have B vaccine, you're going to know it makes zero sense to give it to a child. And they all, and the doctors always give the same excuse. Well, you know, if they start uh, to play sports in school and, and one kid is bleeding on the field, they kind of use that fear tactic. And I mean, the chances are so low. It's just, it's just nuts as to why, yeah. you know, so, but it comes down to the parent making the right decisions. But when it comes to the immune system, ladies and gentlemen, child's immune system is not fully functional. It's not strong until they're the age of two, as long as uh, they have been uh, properly uh, raised the first two years. But if they've been living off junk food or maybe they were formula fed, you really need to think, think twice about that. But, you know, you bring up a good point, Tracy, because maybe many more kids need to be tested for this gene so that way they don't fall into this category of being uh, having heavy metal toxicity, uh, having uh, the inability to detoxify things from their body, and then always battling health issues that probably are mis well that are going to be misdiagnosed uh, years to come. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like if if you want to go down that road, it's fine, but get them tested because this connection with the MTHFR, like people are like, well, how come some kids get autism and some don't? So obviously it doesn't cause autism, the MMR vaccine, of course, I'm referring to. But to me, that's like, if we're finding that most kids that are getting autism from the MMR have MTHFR, then maybe we should start testing before we give it, you know, things like that. And I just, you know, I always want to err on the side of caution because it's like, they're your kids, you know, something like that happens. It's devastating. Well, yeah, I mean, even with um, with the increase in autism, I mean, I think we're I think the ratio now is down to what one in four kids mm-hmm. where it used to be like, you know, you know it was scary when it was one in 20. Then it went down to one in eight. And I think now it's in one in four. So, yeah, you know, problem. wake up. Yeah. Wake up researchers, because if it's one in four. You better be opening up your eyes and figuring out why the rates of autism are so extremely high. So the answer is yeah. right in front of us. And uh, one of these days, somebody's going to start telling the truth. Um, mm-hmm. But you found things in household products that uh, I guess alarmed you. What were those? So, yeah, after going through the whole functional medicine route and, you know, they, they had us on their, you know, pharmaceutical grade supplements and everything. But. All of a sudden, actually, I went to a fundraiser with a friend and we Facebook friended each other. Her name's Nicole Remini. She's Leah Remini's sister. And we kind of hit it off and we became Facebook friends. And she started posting information about the chemicals and products. And can you believe no one ever talked about that? No one ever, a year of going, I spent $19,000 one year on my health. $19,000 and not one person, you know, everyone focuses on diet and exercise. Great. Good start. Two of the hardest things though, to, to get people to do about their health, but we always start with that. And then they often fail because those are difficult things, right? To change. How often do we breathe? What are we breathing? What's our largest organ, our skin. And those two things should be the first thing in my opinion. Well, and then you start, you no, know, no, yeah, right. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Go ahead. Well, you know, you, you kind of gave the thought to me because, you know, I've heard this before and a lot of people never think twice about it, but let's say 
your house is full of potpourri and you're burning scented candles on a continuous basis, you're actually creating a form of air pollution in your own home, breathing in things that are technically not natural. Yeah, I used to think something either smells good or bad, and that's the end of it. Yeah. You know, that's what that's the, the, the end of scent. Um, but you know, it's there was a study done over twenty years, twenty eight researchers, nine different countries. They followed over six thousand subjects, and they concluded at the end of that that those who used house um, national brand cleaners had as much damage to their lung capacity as those who smoked a pack of cigarettes a day. Now, this was peer reviewed in the American Journal of uh, Respiratory Care Medicine. You can look it up. But what that wasn't making like everyone should know this. Everyone. That's insane. You know, you hear about people getting lung cancer that never smoked. You hear about people with COPD, a lot of COPD. What about asthma? People think, oh, I got asthma. Oh, it's just how, it's just a way of life. I'll be on an inhaler forever. Their most asthma is chemical induced. Wow. I mean, that even gives me the thought of people who deal with, um, they, they deal with a fatty liver, but they've never had a drink in their life. Yes. And a lot of that has to do with not only a poor diet, but we also have to look at a lot of the chemicals that disrupt the detoxification process in our own body. So <laughs> yeah, you have somebody eating wrong, or I should say eating poorly. And then using household chemicals, maybe even uh, they're tending to their flower bed or their garden and using uh, very toxic chemicals outside. So you're adding all of these elements and mm -hmm. they think that, oh yeah, I eat fine, I eat, I eat healthy, but their environment is completely polluted and toxic. You bring up an interesting thing. For years, I've been a horseback rider, right? Fly spray. Um, oh, that fly spray... You spray your horse with the fly spray, half of it's coming back in my face, right? And I've been using, well, I wanted to keep the flies off, so I was using for years the best, most toxic <laughs> fly spray I could get for my horse and, you know, never gave it a second thought. They even have automatic fly sprayers in some barns, you know, that just goes off automatically. So there's so many things. Now, I can't control the world. We're going to have toxins everywhere we go. You know, they're, they're in our air, they're in our water, they're, they're everywhere. But I can control my home a little bit. So I always like to focus on what I can control and not get so upset about what I can't. So for instance, when my boys had to go gluten-free at a restaurant, I said, don't focus on the menu items you can't have, focus on the ones you can and pick from those. Don't even look at the others, you know? Um, and that's how I choose to do life because otherwise you make yourself crazy, right? Well, yeah, I mean, gluten-free foods today, they're getting better and better. Um, but I know that you still have to read the labels very closely because some people are using gluten-free as a marketing term and not a health term on food packaging. Is there a way to tell the difference? Well, the, one of the things like a lot of people, it'll just say like contains wheat, right? And so you're like, if it doesn't say contains wheat, oh, I can probably have it, even if it's not labeled gluten-free. Um, but bar, um, we've got malt, you know, there's other things that contain gluten that maybe you're not thinking about. I was surprised like soy sauce, 
I mean, I, I just never thought about soy sauce, you know, all of a sudden I was like, why is my son getting reactions? Because we all three had different reactions to gluten. It's not all like stomach. People are like, no, I eat it and I don't, you know, go to the bathroom right away. So I don't think I have an intolerance to gluten. I'm like, well, mine was anxiety and insomnia. My other son would get horrible, like um, congestion, like and snotty noses and things. And the other one had the stomach stuff. So there's very different reactions that people have. But as far as like reading ingredients, um, there is so much consumer manipulation out there. Now, I am no, you know, I'm no doctor, I'm no scientist, and I'm, you know, whatever. But this is just my experience learning is everything on the front package is marketing, you know, but even labels. So, so many of us are like, oh, I got to read labels and we become the ingredient police, right? And we're going to know everything about it. And there's so many social bloggers. They want to be the first one to raise the flag on this new study that came out, you know, and you get whiplash, right? Because you're just like, okay, I can't have this now. No, I can't have that. I'm going to throw everything out that I have that has that. Pretty soon you're like, I can have a plate of ice. And then it's like, no, wait, what kind of water is that? And you make yourself insane. Yeah, yeah, you will. I mean, it it gets to be overwhelming because when you go online, it's just everybody's finding a negative in everything. I mean, my gosh, if if you like, it's funny because you said, you know, we're going to just get to the point of having a plate of ice, but then someone's going to test the ice and go, no, you can't have that either. And it's gotten out of hand. But at the same time, we do have to read it. You know, I, you know, back in the day when everything was labeled sugar free, people believed it. Oh, it didn't, it have sugar in it. Really? You want to talk mm-hmm. about the effects of aspartame and acephalmin K and neotame and sucralose? Uh, and the list goes on and on. Uh, those cause worse damage than white sugar ever will. Exactly. So that's the thing, right? It was, oh, no, you can't have fat. So everything had to be, you know, low fat, low calorie. And then we're like, no, we need fat. (laughs) So you make yourself insane with this stuff. So I like to move slowly with this stuff. I don't like the whole knee jerk reaction. I kind of liken it to um, COVID actually, where everybody's like chicken little, this guy is falling and everybody panics when they hear one thing like, and you know, the thing with ingredients that I learned. This is my tip to people. Ingredient labels are the headline. There is a whole article under each and every ingredient. There are nuances. So we've thrown a lot of the baby out with the bathwater in certain ingredients. Um, And one example I like to give is water. Somebody sees water on a label they brush right past it. They're like aqua, how are they, you know, label it, um, or water. And you just blow past it. Cause you're like water. Well, that's the headline. It's water, but source matters. Where was that water sourced? Is it toilet water? Is it Palestine, Ohio water? Is it parasitic water? Is it well water? Is it purified, distilled? You get where I'm going, right? Oh yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. And this is the same with every ingredient. You know, for instance, I'll give another example, petrolatum. People are like, oh, you can't use petrolatum. It's, it's, it's carcinogenic. Well, and it's banned in the EU. But if you actually read past that in the EU, it says, except one refined a certain way. 
And that is the truth with so many ingredients. The process, the manufacturing process matters. You know, the heat that is used on different products, it can be a fine ingredient, but then they found some manufacturers heated it to a certain level and it um, created another toxic chemical. But if that ingredient is processed without getting to that level, it doesn't mean it's bad. So that ingredient isn't always bad based on the manufacturing process. So there's so many nuances to these ingredients. So I think we can all just take a collective like, you know, and realize the earth, we don't need to live in a bubble. The, you know, we can enjoy life. We can enjoy some of the good things in life and we can be careful and we can obviously look for real things that are to be concerned, but not be scared of every single well, thing. Isn't there, there, I know that online there's like a couple of websites that you could go to, but I'm trying to think right off. You, you're probably going to know the name of it. One of them used to be like the Bible of ingredients, but they've been manipulated by the companies who make those chemicals and now they're in bed with the chemical companies so you're coming across false information even on some of these ingredients and that's why it's so hard today to find the truth because everybody starts injecting a lie in the middle of it and then you don't know the difference are you talking about ewg yeah yeah there's yeah. a board of like 70,000 toxicologists that actually they renamed that group. <laughs> they call them the endlessly wrong group. And I think their intentions were good when they started. Yeah. Out. In the beginning, in the beginning, but it's become a fundraising platform. It's become a political organization. And you're right. People to get EWG verified, you have to pay. It's a pay to play organization. And then, you know, as we all know, that can kind of make things a little convoluted when someone's well, paying they, for they be, they can become lobbyists. Yes. And then the public goes to try to find honest information on their website and they can't find anything. And ladies and gentlemen, do not take information at face value. You have to start doing your research because everybody's out to make a quick buck. Uh, mm -hmm. for multiple reasons, but is there, um, are there any like, um, iPhone apps that people can download that maybe, uh, speed the process up if they're at the grocery store? You know, the thing for me with those apps is they're all similar to EWG. And the problem with EWG that I found is it's the same thing. What I'm talking about is they don't get, they'll give a bad rating to a company just because they didn't have enough info, uh, data not verified or, you know, things like that. People just go on and they're like, oh, it has a D, it must be bad. But when you go in and you look for their reasons, not enough info was given or, you know, things like that, proprietary bland wasn't disclosed, things that like that, they're giving them a bad rating off the assumption that just because they didn't disclose it, it wasn't safe. So there's all kinds of things. For me, what I like to do, I go to uh, the name of the company and I have put lawsuit and I have found a lot of companies have been sued for misbranding that most of us don't know that they had to pay $4 million. Um, and some of the big ones that might surprise you, I mean, I can list, uh, Tom's ranch basics, um, you know, uh, Mrs. Myers, I believe, you know, some seventh generation. So you go in and you see like they got caught misbranding, like 
ingredients that were not as safe as they said. I personally like also a company, instead of me having to read every ingredient, I like a company that says we never use phthalates, parabens, formaldehyde, no caustic toxic chemicals. I would rather a company blatantly overall state that than me, who wasn't a science major, trying to memorize what I learned from a blogger on social media that what ingredient to look for, because I would rather that blanket thing that just says they guarantee none of that and they don't have a lawsuit claiming they ever have. It's right. And ladies and gentlemen, let me explain something to you very quickly when it comes to labeling the FDA. That is not their territory. Okay. The FDA has no jurisdiction in the areas of labeling. It's the FTC, the federal trade commission. These companies are more in fear over the federal trade commission than they'll ever be in fear over the FDA. The FDA, they're like, yeah, whatever. But the FTC, that that's like, you know, that's like Goliath coming after you with two swords and two shields and you better run. And, um, and I know a lot of companies, good companies, that were fined millions upon millions of dollars based on what was written on the label had nothing to do with ingredients. Their ingredients were completely organic, but they may have had one word out of place because the FDA, as well as the FTC, can act like a big bully to a lot of companies, and a lot of those companies are small. So how do you define a fine? Well, here's, here's what they do. They, let's say they pick a product, and they go, oh, it's, uh, this, this line, this sentence on this label is wrong. Uh, we're, we'll find you. Uh, so here's how your fine is going to work. The day your product debuted on the market till the day they walked into your office, they total up your sales. That is your fine. They take it all away from you. That's how a fine is made. Now you're educated. Oh. <laughs> wow. I did know a little bit about the FTC over saying, I know that they're very like, as far as like medical claims or, you know, you can't, that, that's a huge one that companies have to yeah, be Yeah, and a lot of companies, you know, the mistake is not actually made on purpose, you know, and, mm -hmm. and a, you know, a lot of times these companies, they have their lawyers, the lawyers do try to do everything correctly and make sure everything's worded right, but then you get caught and and it's not like you did actually did anything wrong. But with a lot of the things that you're saying, I think what we need to really be aware of is, all of these major conglomerates that just pump out these chemicals, you know, not only just for our household products, our household cleaners and our washing detergents, but some of those chemicals do end up in certain processed food products. And those people are rarely fined. So go figure. Yeah. And they, but, you know, and the thing is they can afford it. Like That's they, right. it's a cost doing business for them. You know, look at what Johnson and Johnson had to pay after, you know, the baby powder thing. And it's just a cost of doing business. They pay these out and it's just, that's how it is. Um, and you know, the other thing is when you're buying from, you know, Procter and Gamble products, Johnson and Johnson, all of these big conglomerates that we're talking about, they don't sell direct and they don't care about their end customer. Sorry, they don't because you know who their customer is target Walmart, the grocery store, 
they all they care about is them. They are their customer. They're the one who buys this huge volume. They don't care about you, the individual. That's not their concern. And then the store you buy it from, they're like, well, we didn't make it. So you're left with no accountability, no recourse. No one really cares. You know, that, that's right. That's, that's right. Now for you, I mean, uh, do you only use products with natural ingredients that you can, let's say, read easily? No, you know what? I that, that actually drives me crazy when people say that. I have to say because, like, for instance, not everything in nature is good for you, right? We've got rattlesnakes. We, like I talked about parasites. There's all kinds of things in nature that will kill you fast. <laughs> Sad but true. So not everything in nature is good and not everything science is bad. Not everything man-made is bad. I mean, science and medicine have done wonderful things too, you know? So I think it's the combination of both. And the other thing I like to joke about when people are like, oh, I'll only, you know, do natural products with ingredients I can read. I'm like, have you ever looked at the ingredients of an apple? I can't read it. I can't read the ingredients in an apple. So there's all these little, um, what do you call it? Byproducts of an ingredient. There's ingredients in ingredients. It's like, remember we thought the atom was the smallest thing then we busted it open. It's like, there's so many extra things in there. You really, you'll make yourself crazy. Well, yeah. It's like when people say, well, I'm allergic to spaghetti sauce. Okay. Could you break that down further? So what are you allergic um, to? The tomato, the basil, right. the oregano, um, the Parmesan, um, the meat, uh, the salt, the pepper, which one are you actually allergic to? Because you're definitely not going to be allergic to all of that. And Exactly. If you reacted to one mar uh, marinara sauce or spaghetti sauce or what have you, like, okay, that brand maybe uses this or that or, you know, and there's how many different kinds of tomatoes, you know, it's like, so. <laughs> well, do you have a uh, favorite example of uh, reading ingredients that uh, is not the end all to be all for our health? Is there an easier way to, to judge a label and know what we should buy and maybe should avoid? So I'm thinking maybe I should have become a detective for, <laughs> for my career. Um, but one of the things is there's so many little tricky words they use. Like for instance, um, like kills up to, you know, like disinfectants, kills up to 99%. Or I've seen, um, you know, cause fragrance is a big one people are scared of right now. That's one that's been, the flag's been raised on fragrance and everybody's like, anything with scent's bad. I'm like, nature has fragrance. There can be good fragrance and bad fragrance, right? I mean, I love all kinds of flowers. They smell great, you know? Um, but the main concern with fragrance is the phthalates that most companies use in fragrance to help prolong the scents and stuff. But if, you know, like some of them will label fragrance and then they'll say in parentheses, like including, and people are like, oh, those are safe fragrances. But what they don't understand is when you say including, it doesn't mean they listed all of them, but people, so they are using so many tricks. So again, like, you know, I really wish, I, I wish that it would be required, like you said, like if something says gluten-free, fat-free, whatever, maybe with personal care products, it should have to say, you know, and some of them do, they'll say paraben-free, but then it's got formaldehyde and triclosan and, you know, whatever. And you're like, oh, it's paraben-free, it must be good. But why doesn't, why is it just paraben-free, you know? But I think if they would list like what it, 
a blatant like claim that it doesn't have caustic chemicals. It doesn't have toxic chemicals because like you said, there's just, it's overwhelming. But anyway, I don't really have any hard, fast. These are just a couple tricks that I've learned. And there's a lot of places online that people can, you know, type in and say uh, organic uh, household products or household cleaning products. And they'll, they'll be directed usually probably to the better ones that are available out there. Uh, at least you're not going to the grocery store buying all the ones that are definitely going to be causing a toxic household. And, uh, and ladies and gentlemen, you just really, it comes down to you got to do your homework, okay? Um, if you can't pronounce it, it's probably best to avoid it. And uh, we all know about red dye number five and blue number four, and the list goes on. Those things don't need to be in our body. Those are completely synthetic. And, and, and Tracy, you bring up, you know, the idea of somebody having that, uh, the gene problem, then those artificial ingredients will pose a problem because your body's not going to be able to detoxify them correctly. Yeah, exactly. And that causes so many other issues and people don't realize too, like, a lot of the, um, well, the, the dyes are huge for brain health and it's awful at how many kids are drinking electrolytes with those dyes in them to make it look desirable, but especially for growing little brains and the Skittles and the M&Ms with those dyes in it. Um, those would be huge ones to, to try and avoid. Yeah. And I but, use, I mean, I use hydration products for cycling, but I don't use uh, pre, I don't use the liquids. I actually use the organic powder versions that you add to your water. And you can at least look at the ingredients and understand every ingredient. And that's what it really comes down to. Now, what about those people that uh, you talk to and they say, well, I would love to eat organic, but it's just too expensive. What do you say to them? I really don't believe that healthy should just be for the wealthy. I was blessed that I was able to spend that money and take a year off, you know, cause I was literally disabled during that health issue. I could barely get out of bed. I had to rush through a shower. I was so fatigued. So I was blessed to have that. But after going through all of that and then learning and finding, you know, like, and if people want to reach out to me, I mean, I found, products that I do use that I'm willing to share um, that are not overly expensive, that it doesn't have to cost you a fortune. There are ways to do this um, without, you know, I, I like to say you don't have to spend a whole paycheck at Whole Foods to be healthy. <laughs> um, there, there are ways to do this. And honestly, you know, a meal might seem less expensive perhaps like, oh, the salad's more or whatever. It might seem like it, but if you're getting that nutrition, it's going to sustain you longer. And I noticed one thing like I learned with finances is similar with food. People have to start looking at long-term costs, not short-term. You know, if, you, if you're just looking right here and you're like, oh, but this is $2 and that's three. Okay. Well, if that's two and that's going to sustain you and keep you out of the, the hospital and, you know, other things like that, that's money well spent. This is life's the long game. I'm going for the long game. I say the goal in life is to die, at, uh, to live as long as you can, as young as you can. <laughs> you oh, know? I love that. 
I love that. I mean, yeah, I mean, we want we want quantity, but we got to have quality at the same time. And um, now you've also come across uh, deceptive labeling in the beef industry. What did you find? Yeah. So, you know, with MTHFR, B vitamins are huge, right? So beef is a big source of protein for, for me and my family. And we're, we're a little bit of been, we've been beef snobs, you know, we really like the, the high choice, the prime and that gets very expensive, um, granted, but I started learning about some behind the curtain stuff with the beef industry. So everyone's, you know, about the grass fed, grass finished, those things, for instance, what most people don't realize is a, a, a steak can be labeled or hamburger meat, whatever, can be labeled grass-fed, grass-finished, and it can still have lived the last six months of its life in a feedlot, being fed corn, gluten, oats, all of those kind of grains. What the grass-fed industry did was they lobbied to be able to do that. And their little caveat was they would feed those things during the milk phase. So before those things sprout, so then they're still considered a grass. Wow, that that is one big, huge lie. That is crazy. So just by growing the grain to a certain stage, they can still put on their label grass-fed even though they were raised in a feedlot well the last six months the so last they six might have months been... but still and... i mean that that is so deceptive and you know i i actually read an article this has been a while back um and a lot of people don't realize about the beef industry there is a lot of politics um there's a lot of bullying that goes mm-hmm. along Especially when you bring up the word certified Angus, it's almost like you stepped into the lion's den when you bring that up. Well, that was the other thing is I always thought, oh, it's certified Angus. Angus cattle makes really good steak, right? Well, there's a difference between certified Angus and 100% Angus. So to be certified, it only has to be a 51% to be certified. So what's happening is we have dairy farmers who their cows, you know, get past the point of, you know, producing milk or their male cows, things like that. And what they're doing is breeding them to Angus cattle. So when you're getting a certified Angus beef, you're not necessarily getting hundred percent Angus cattle, which is really the best tasting. Right. Um, and so they're kind of, these little tricks are happening like that. And the other thing is like they'll label natural, and I used to think, oh, natural, that sounds good. Natural only means it's real meat. It has nothing to do with how naturally it was raised. It just means it's actually real meat. Okay. <laughs> now we're going to end up with a problem because I know that the United States government has officially approved lab-grown meat to be sold for human consumption. We have no idea how the human body will respond to that. We don't, And like you said... Stop looking at the, sh- the the short game. Look at the long game. So what is the long game going to be if people think it's okay to eat lab-grown meat? And part of me is saying we've probably already had it and nobody said anything because if you do the math, 
Just think of all of the people in the United States. How much meat do they eat per year? And then try to figure out, is there actually enough cattle to cover that? To me, the math doesn't add up. So has lab-grown meat or whatever derivative they've created, has it actually been on the market much longer than we realize? And maybe we've been eating things that are technically never been grown on a farm. Sometimes I wonder. Sometimes it wasn't my cooking, I think. Sometimes it was just, I just got meat, why that didn't taste so good. Um, But I agree with you. And they're saying, well, it has the same nutritional value. And again, label on paper, but it doesn't matter what's on the label. It matters how your body processes it and how I can absorb it on a cellular level and all those things. Because just like, you know, what I was talking about with MTHFR, it's like, your body has to methylate and be able to process that. So even if this synthetic meat or lab grown meat, what are they calling it? Cultivated or I forget the name. I just heard lab grown and you know, I think it's cultivated that they have to, the label has to say something like, I think it said cultivated, something like that. But here's the thing. I'm scared to go to a restaurant now because it's, they can use it in a restaurant. Do they have to disclose? Are they getting it cheaper? I I don't know. I'm a little bit nervous. Well, here's, you know, I think it's become a, a joke. It's become a meme on Instagram. But anytime we hear the words, uh, trust the science my answer is no and and i'm not talking i'm not talking (laughs) just the last three years i'm talking about what's been going on for the last 40 50 60 70 years i mean the lies that go through the the food industry um is old is almost as old as time. I mean, the mo- the moment that we ended up in the industrial revolution is when everything went downhill. You know, it's kind of like when when Adam and Eve got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and he and God goes, "Here's a shovel." Mm-hmm. From that point on, that's where organic was. Okay, mm-hmm. but man has sinned against the very land that God gave you to cultivate. We've sinned uh, with what we've put in the soil, and we have sinned how we've created the seed, and we have sinned on how we've raised not just cattle, but pigs and chickens, and the list goes on. I mean, even down to farm-raised fish, really? I mean, that's not even natural, and neither is wild-caught. I mean, you raise it in a farm, you let it go, and you go catch it so you can say you caught it wild. Well, everything's marketing. Like you said, the only way you're going to know truth is turning the label over and reading the back. Yeah, and that that's, like I said, the headline, and you can get so much info. Um, and, you know, when you talk about all this stuff, too, something that comes up with me is I, I'm a carnivore, for sure, but I love animals, And when we have become factory farmed meat, you know, um, it's really sad, really how the treatment of them and how they've become um, such a commodity the way they have. And that does, that's another thing that I just look past the label. So it might say no added hormones and you're like, great. But if they stress the heck out of that cow, 
you know, hauling it in the jam packed. We've all seen them going down the, the freeway and those, those, um, on those trucks, right? And the little holes and they're just crammed in there. It's awful. It's so sad. Then they're getting on conveyor belts and <clears throat> do yourself a favor. Don't look into this, but how they stun them before they hang them. And sometimes the stun isn't good. And so my thing is like, I just keep looking a step beyond the obvious. So it might say no added hormones, but if there was not good stewardship and how that cow was um, processed, the amount of stress hormones that were released into that cattle are going to affect your beef enormously. So for me, labels are great, but like I said, they are the headline and you really have to think past them. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know this either about the, uh, the beef industry. The majority of it's kosher. So you're actually focusing on what? Maybe 10% of the population that eats kosher, but the only way to, you know, the beef industry cannot afford to separate the cattle lines. So they do it mm -hmm. all. So they hang up the cattle. So when they take that cattle's life to make your hamburger meat or a steak, then that, you know, kosher just means that when they take an animal's life to create, you know, our food, it's not in the blood of the previous animal. That's all that means. And mm. so the majority of the industry, from what I've heard, is kosher because it costs way too much money to make one line of cattle for kosher and one line not. So you just have to do it all just to, to reduce cost. Ladies and gentlemen, if you literally did your homework, you'd probably do what Tracy said and just eat a plate of ice and, and go with that. But we can't live like that, but we do have to uh, learn to read labels. And it's, and it's even the, not just the hormones, Tracy, um, even when we read a label that says no added antibiotics, that's very misleading. It is. So apparently what the beef companies get away with is when they're not adding them to the herd as a whole does not necessarily mean that one cow got sick and they of course treated it. So you don't know if the cow you got was a sick cow that got treated with antibiotics. No added generally means just they don't automatically give them to the herd. So the, the reason they automatically add the antibiotics is a lot of these cows are raised in close quarters. I don't know if you've driven by, sometimes they're not in pastures, they're sitting in mud and things like that. So they're more prone to um, getting sick. And so a lot of these farmers, they need to keep their cattle healthy. So they just do this proactive thing of just automatically keeping them on antibiotics. And a lot of people don't want that. So they started again, this new, you know, marketing thing where they're like, oh, we don't add them as a whole, but they just put that cow back in the rotation once it's healthy. Oh, well, yeah. And the funny thing is, is America has the most polluted meat supply, but you go to other foreign countries, maybe it's Chile, Argentina, Ireland, and others, you know, they may say, you know, they uh, grow cattle to where no hormones are used whatsoever, but then they may use a certain form of antibiotic, like you said, to prevent disease uh, based on their close quarters and things of that sort. So uh, different nations have different rules. Uh, I even, I drove through West Texas 
uh, one time and noticed the cattle ranches. There is not one lick of grass in West mm -hmm. Texas. And you could look for hundreds of miles and see no grass at all. And what are these cattle doing? They're sitting there. They're standing in under a cover eating hay all day long. And that's the kind of meat supply you're going to get. So and I'm curious too. At this, I don't know the answer, but I would guess that it can be called grass fed and people assume pasture grass, right? But it could be grass hay, could be alfalfa hay, you know, that kind of thing, which isn't terrible. I mean, I feed that to my horse. Um, but the other thing is, even if they are pasture raised and grazing, it's like, well, what was that grass treated with? You know, it's like you can just, it's the, insane. You know? the public's the yeah, the public's perception, when they see a label that says grass fed, they think that the cow is roaming around in a beautiful, lush, green pasture. And somebody's going out there petting them day in and day out. And, and they gave them a name and uh, giving them kisses on the forehead. But that's just not what grass-fed means. No, it's not. It's just another. And I, the way people just like flock to. And, you know, there's all these people on social media who are like, grass-fed's the best grass-fed. And people are like, I need grass-fed. And they, you know, and they just go with it. Um, which, I mean, there's good in that too. I mean, we definitely want people to, you know, promote healthier options and things, but, um, just think about all this stuff. It's, there's more than meets the eye with all of these things. Yeah. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, just, if you want, if you really want to kind of compare, uh, especially when it comes to the meat, you may want to check out a, a brand new company. Just go to their website called myfreedombeef.com. Check them out. Uh, Right on their homepage, it tells you no antibiotics, no hormones, no uh, mRNA uh, vaccine in the meat. So you may want to check them out. And so that way, when you read, you're going to learn some things compared to what you may buy at the grocery store because you have no idea where that food is coming from. And you got to start reading your labels because now that lab-grown meat uh, is going to be offered to your grocery store and I guarantee you there are people going to buy it. I'm not going to buy it because there's there's no research as to what the long-term effects are uh, in eating something that's mostly that's not real. And uh, mm -hmm. it also comes down to the produce. I always buy organic for a reason. Uh, you know, we have so much produce now that's full of GMOs. And, you know, what is GMO? Well, that, that means that you could buy an apple that has uh, DNA of a fish or DNA of an animal added to it just so the fact that it can prolong shelf life. Did you know that if you buy a conventional apple at the store, most likely that apple's at least six months old before you bought it. So it's been in cold storage because apples don't grow 12 months out of the year. We have seasons. Another reason, you know, Tracy, I've even read... I've read some incredible books where we sh we should actually be buying foods in season, so that way we know we're getting fresh produce, fresh fruit. But a lot of people don't understand that a lot of this stuff is placed in cold storage. Uh, we were in South America, and we walked in. Um, I can't mention the names of the companies, but uh, walked into the cold storage. Uh, we're talking, and and without without causing damage. To the fruit you literally walk in there it's zero 
degrees. And they can prolong the life of things that they've picked off trees for the next six months to almost a year before you ever buy it in the produce department, which is why I always uh, choose organic when I can. And of course, there's things online that you can look at. How do you remove wax from citrus trees? How do you remove wax from an apple? There's a lot of tips online that you just look that up and at least lessen the damage if you have to buy conventional produce. So, uh, Tracy, you've given us a lot to think about. I think you kind of scared everybody. <laughs> oh, that wasn't my intention. I hope not. But I have one other tip when you're talking about fruits at the store. Did you know they use dyes on like a lot of berries? Like, what the heck? There's no such thing as red. There's no such thing as red potatoes either. That's all dye. It's insane. What? Are yeah. you sure? Out of one company, they paint theirs. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, but I'm not a red potato guy, so I don't really care. <laughs> well, I I have a friend of mine grew red potatoes. I, I'm well. I guess you can, unless you know, unless companies. They need to provide red potatoes uh, yeah. in the produce department, so they probably take a certain type and dye them red. But I, I've seen I've seen them go across the conveyor belt in the red dye being applied. It's the craziest thing. Yeah. So well, uh, my hope is everybody just make time, be willing to spend a little more. Your health and wellness is worth the investment. It doesn't have to cost you a fortune. But really think about not what it's going to cost you now, but what it might cost you later. Um, so that is my my tip. That's right. And ladies and gentlemen, if you have kids, start feeding them correctly. Because the way we eat when we're young is going to show up in our health when we get older. And, you know, I, I want to I be energetic and spry when whenever I get into my 70s and 80s. I don't want to be using a walker. You know, I want to, I want to um, still be riding my bike. <laughs> yeah. It's not the amount of years you live. It's the vitality in the years. And I'm glad you said that about young and you and I could talk forever and I'm trying to wrap it up. But <laughs> I, what I didn't realize is those endocrine disruptors in these um, baby products, household cleaners, you know, we're putting our kids in these bathtubs that we just cleaned with Clorox bleach, you know, and then soaking them in them and putting these baby bubbles in there. And th most of the studies, I mean, look at the endocrine um, society. There's so much stuff about it's the early life damage, you know, and we we really I look back. I wish I'd known all this when my kids were tiny um, and I know all my thyroid issues and stuff. It started long before, you know, I had control of what I was exposed to. So that's definitely worth looking into. Well, you've given me an idea. I did a segment. Uh, it's been a while. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to bring it back. Um, I've done, done a whiteboard teaching on all of the chemicals uh, found in not just our household products, but even in our food that are actually hormone disruptors. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when we say hormone disruptors, that's disrupting estrogen, progesterone, testosterone in a teenage boy that includes disrupting the hormones in your thyroid can even disrupt hormones from the pituitary gland and uh i mean I, and i i have another teaching that i'll be doing here in the future on pcos so polycystic ovarian syndrome and that is uh misdiagnosed in many women 
that uh, may be dealing with or not dealing with Hashimoto's. Many doctors get them confused because the symptoms can mimic one another, or they just put a label on them and say, ah, you got both when they haven't done adequate testing. But that's a whole nother conversation for another day. But ladies and gentlemen, do your homework. Your life depends on it. Like Tracy said, it's better off spending the money now for prevention and uh, eating better and taking the right things than having to pay to try to reverse the illness that you end up later on in life. So Tracy, it's always great to have you on the show. Uh, you are absolutely informative. Um, you kind of got me riled up. I'm, I'm thinking about uh, adding some more segments. I want to have to have you come back again. You and I could talk forever. I enjoy our conversations. You're a very good host. Oh, thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, look, we need to start taking a closer look at what we're not only putting into our bodies, but also cleaning our house as well as our clothes. Now, for more information about Tracy Melchior, go to tracymelchior.com and also check out that website we just mentioned, myfreedombeef.com. Uh, you can actually order directly off their site and uh, it's all safe and healthy to eat. So check them out. They're brand new and they get this. They grow, they grow, and I should say they raise their own cattle. So they know from the very beginning to the very end what you're going to get when you order from them and check them out. A fantastic company. And ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you for watching. And as for me, I'll see you next time.